0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us in our second podcast. My name is Eric Fossack, a health sciences librarian at Carlson Library at UC Davis, and I have the privilege to share conversations with leaders in the scholarship and sharing of tea and tea culture. Today we are joined by attendees and speakers of the fourth global tea initiative colloquium. Let's join the conversation of Ryo, Rebecca, and Melissa.
1: I'm Ryo Yamamoto. I'm from Japan and 21 years old at college kids still. But I'm professional in tea ceremony, the cultural, the Japanese cultural ceremony. And also I'm running my tea company that is selling Japanese tea. Yeah, that's my brief introduction. Mm, perfect, yeah.
0: So how did you how did you get involved with tea? Because if I remember this correctly, you had on your slide two thousand and six. Yep. You joined uh, uh, the Urasenke Tea House. Yeah. You must have been very young.
1: Yeah. So uh, what uh, got you into tea? Yeah, I was nine years old, and I watched a TV show that has a tea master on it. And, what was the name of the show? Uh, Kuitan. Kuitan. You know, it's Kuitan. a drama. Uh-huh. Yeah. And one of the, one of the famous. Like, Actor, like really famous actor, who is very uh, smart and stylish, and he was yeah. on TV with the Japanese like so wa- find- kimono, and I was just amazed by his like attitude and the, that sophisticated the, I don't know the cultural idea and his also his stylish body, you know mm-hmm. the the atmosphere. So I asked my mom. Please, can I like can I start tea ceremony practice to my mom, and she said okay, and she found fi- she found a school for me, and that was Rasenkei Tea House. Wow! Yeah,
0: that's incredible. Yeah, and you've been doing it since nine, mm-hmm. never looking back. Yeah. Huh? What was the character's name?
1: Uh, character's name? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. not not a character; mm-hmm. it's just just a actor mm-hmm. who was. Uh, oh, yeah, act, yeah, mm-hmm. actor on drama. So mm-hmm. she, that was like Kuitan is It's it's called Kushinbo Tante. That Tante is, a, is a, not a hunter, but it's it's kind of a police officer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who is eating a lot while thinking about the crimes? Mm-hmm. So while the police officer is eating. He can imagine, like, what happened in the crime. Got you. That's, gotcha. So it was part that's, of his process. Yeah. Part of his f- process, he appreciated the, the food and drink, and part of it was tea ceremony. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs>
0: How did you find out about the Global Tea Initiative at uh, UC Davis? Yeah.
1: I have a friend No, I have a partner in Japan who, Which is a Japanese like Very huge Japanese tea company In Japan Based in Shizuoka it's, okay. Which is the middle of Japan And the main client of that company Is the joshua like The, the uh, Rich Tea mm-hmm. Yeah So I met through the, the Japanese tea company in Japan To The Rich Tea Hmm, okay. And he introduced me to the Global Tea Initiative and he invited me as the speaker, so I came here. Very cool. Yeah. That's amazing. That is fantastic.
0: Tell me a little bit about um, So, you said you are actually selling tea now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your target audience? Uh, to the workspace. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, and is it is it just the tea, or is it part of the ceremony that's involved with the tea?
1: Uh, it's part of it. Uh, I mean, we're providing education of the Japanese tea culture, or Japanese culture itself, or Japanese history education, and so we're having dojo called it's uh, a tea, tea room, actually tea room that educate the executive board uh, for learning Japanese tea or Japanese uh, way of thinking mm-hmm. for expanding globally. Wow! Yeah! Wow! Very cool. So, and expanding globally. Yep! Wow! So, uh, we're welcoming the executive boards of the huge companies in Japan and let them learn Japanese tea culture and Japanese ideas, and we're selling to them mm-hmm. the tea. That's a good
2: plan. yeah. Hi, I'm Rebecca Corbett. I'm uh, one of the speakers at the GTI today. Um, so my personal interest in tea goes back probably to my whole childhood. My family's from New Zealand. I grew up in Australia, so um, that more British culture. And we, you know, my mum especially always drank a lot of tea. Uh, and then I started studying... Uh, Japanese tea culture or chanoyu tea ceremony when I lived in Japan for one year as a Rotary exchange student when I was 17. Uh, so I started studying then in the Urasenke School of Tea, and I just did it for one year and you know, thought it would be kind of a fun hobby while I was in Japan. Uh, and I definitely remember drinking matcha for the first time as part of that, and it was different distinctly to, you know, the English breakfast Earl Grey type of tea that I had grown up drinking, but I really liked it, um... And then I, when I returned to Australia, I found that because the Urasenke School is a really large school of tea internationally, I was able to keep studying. Uh, and then I guess my professional and personal interests then intersected. So I was studying Japanese history at university and particularly interested in women's history. And as a tea practitioner, I was reading histories of tea culture in Japan, noticing that there weren't a lot of... There wasn't a lot of mention of women, yet I knew that the contemporary situation was predominantly, like, 90% women practitioners. So I wanted to look at the history of that, so it became my PhD topic. Um, And, yeah, I kind of have a reputation among my friends and family for being a little obsessed with tea and drinking tea and being very strict with people about how they... Prepare the tea and how they drink tea. That might and be a
0: rule across the table. Y- yes, here. I think
2: so. And wearing, you know, <laughs> tea brooches and teacup earrings and all of that like crazy tea lady type of stuff so it's nice to be among company of other crazy tea people
0: (laughs) how did you find out about global tea initiative
2: i remember hearing about it or reading something online so i was a postdoctoral fellow at stanford university in their center for east asian studies from 2013 to 2015 and i remember hearing about it then and thinking like that sounds so cool how do i like get in touch with those people um and but never wanted to send like a cold call email of like hi this is me and I do tea so I was really excited when Catherine um, emailed me and invited me to be part of the colloquium this year I I'm like, glad she yes. did
0: it's fantastic <laughs> yeah
2: so I, I'm very impressed with everything that um, that the GTI has been doing okay thank you
3: for having me my name is Melissa Lobach I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I work for the American River Conservancy It's a land trust organization, and we're the property owners of Wakamatsu Farm, which is an historic site in California and in Placerville, about two miles away from um, where gold was discovered at uh, Sutter's Mill in Coloma. And the farm is the site of the first Japanese colony in America, and it was established in 1869. And a group of Japanese people came over to begin a tea and silk colony in America. So that was 150 years ago this June. Um, And I was hired by the Conservancy to support Wakamatsu Farm and uh, plan the festival that we're having this year, a sesquicentennial, to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the establishment of this first colony site in America.
0: And they started with tea, and right? it was a
3: tea and silk farm. And um, I started getting really fascinated with tea. Oh, and i I've drank it my whole life, like you. Always enjoyed it. Always preferred it over coffee, just like the way it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. And. Um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more picky about it, too, and yeah. tried a lot more different types of tea. And I I just love learning about it. So I heard about the Global Tea Initiative through one of the gardeners that takes care of Wakamatsu Farm. Oh. He had, I don't know how, I, he's a master gardener. He had his feelers out there, and he, he said, have you ever heard of this place? And that was um, probably about... Two years ago. I came to this symposium last year, was blown away by the topics, and really, really enjoyed learning more about it. So I'm back here this year to learn more about it. And also share the story of Wakamatsu Farm. It's an important story that not a lot of people know about. Do they still grow tea? No, we haven't been able to find any historic tea plants. There is one Mm. plant on the property Mm. that Mm. the colonists planted, and actually it's a kiaki tree, a Japanese-owned. Oh. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, the site Mm. is not only the first colony in America, it's the resting place of the first Japanese woman, and immigrant, who died and is buried on American soil, and the birthplace of the first Japanese-American person. So it's the trifecta first. I did want to mention that I, we're honored that Catherine is um, partnering with us during our festival this year, and I hope that she'll find for us some fascinating guest speakers that will talk about Japanese tea mm-hmm. and the culture of tea in Japan. Perhaps mm-hmm. you might be interested yeah. In joining totally. us totally. <laughs> we would love to have you we're going to have some really wonderful people coming from mm-hmm. America and Japan mm-hmm. and we'll speak at this event nice.
2: and it's also tea is such a big part of the Japanese American community as yes. well which has this long history you know, Yes. Um, so I live in LA and in terms of uh, places I've lived in the world other than living in Japan it's the best place to study or Japanese tea ceremony because there's such a strong history and legacy of the Japanese American of the Japanese American community there and so many people Um, and you know the head teacher in Los Angeles or the most senior teacher there she presented she helped the head of the then head of the Urasenke School of Tea, present tea at the signing of the San Francisco Peace Treaty. Mm. And she has utensils that were used on that occasion. You know, So there's this amazing history there as well yeah. of the, the, the spread of mm-hmm. Japanese tea culture outside of Japan and um, how it is now part of the community in LA as well, yeah. of not just Japanese-Americans and more recent Japanese immigrants, but non-Japanese Americans and people like myself who've had experience in Japan, now live in the U.S., also not American, you know, everyone kind of um, comes together through tea, which is really nice. It's a fascinating
3: food when you think about it. It's got a very long history, Mm. and not many foods have that kind of a connection, cultural connection, and, and... have that kind of an effect on people, yeah. personally, culturally, scientifically, as we're learning. It's, it's, it's food.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm dying to know, because New Zealand is that kind of interesting location, right? Because yeah. you have a huge Asian influence, right? Yeah. Because you're closer to Asia than, well, say, U.S. Yeah. Um, but you also have, of course, a very large British influence, because, mm. um, uh, because you're part of a commonwealth is there a certain culture that kind of takes predominance, do you feel, or do you feel like, you know, is there a balance or is there more weight or not in terms of Asian style or, you know, um, Asian brewing of tea versus Western? Or?
2: I think it's a mixture of both. So while my family's from New Zealand, I grew up in Australia, oh. uh, but like, I mean, culturally they're very mm. similar in that, that British heritage, and definitely a huge um, Asian population and that's one reason, for example, that I started studying Japanese, so people in the US are often surprised when I say, well, I did Japanese first because I was compulsory to do one year of it when you were in grade eight at my high school, because we don't have junior high school in Australia, so six years of high school. Um, but that made sense because Japan was, at that time, our number one trading partner, now it's China. Uh, it, Proximity to Asia, Uh, and it also made sense to me because my dad was traveling to Japan all the time for work a few times a year. So, I then, after that mandatory one year, I kept studying Japanese because it seemed like a practical language for me, in the same way that you know in America people maybe would study languages like Spanish. Um, In Australia, studying Japanese and Mandarin has become more popular as well, is um, for that reason. But in terms of like the food and tea drinking, we do have. Uh, particularly a lot of Southeast Asian food in places like Sydney where I'm from uh, as well as a lot of Japanese and Korean food uh, And but tea drinking I think still tends to be more on the British side the, the black tea drinking um, among the white Australian population um, but of course there is a lot of recognition of green tea and its health benefits as well and like the same way that in the last panel we heard about how popular kombucha is becoming in the U.S. I think that's becoming very popular in Australia as well. Um, And Japanese tea culture that I study is also popular in Australia, and drinking matcha is becoming kind of trendy in the same way that it is in the U.S., Um, but I think it's still not something that people drink, like, every day in the same way that they might drink English breakfast or Earl Grey or those kind of more commonly British teas.
0: I know we don't have a lot of time, but I had one yeah. follow-up question I really have to ask. Um, you mentioned a right way and a wrong way to kind of <laughs> do, uh, uh, specifically, tea ceremony, something that is so structured. I guess my question is, and I think this kind of harks back to a, symposium, uh, to a symposium discussion maybe two years ago um, at the Global Tea Initiative. They mentioned because you had to have the right, you know, like if, if you had certain calligraphy, it had to match the bowls and all of that. Does that get in the way of the progress of, like, can it, can we be too anal about the right mm. way, and does that get in the way of tea ceremony?
2: My perspective is that at the end of the day, the main point of a tea gathering is to serve your guests a delicious bowl of tea, and that's <laughs> yeah, the foremost exactly. consideration, uh, and the other aesthetic considerations around what utensils you use, the the calligraphy decorating the alcove, is all meant to create an atmosphere Um, But if you're not making a good bowl of tea, then that kind of lose the point. Uh, But I'm very particular also about, and my friends would say, or my family would say, like I have a lot of rules about how just black tea is prepared as well. So I drink English breakfast and Earl Grey every day, and I get very upset in America in particular if you go out and order tea somewhere and they'll give you a tea bag with really low-grade tea, and then they give you a pot of, like, lukewarm to warm water on the side. It's like, what is this? You are not (laughs) Not brewing a delicious (laughs) pot of black tea through this way. You know, for me, the tea should be loose-leaf to start with. The water, if you're doing black tea, the water has to be boiling. In just the same way, if you're doing green tea, you don't want the water to be boiling. Um, And so I think that is... While tea is becoming really popular in America, um, which it hadn't always been, this really was a coffee country, I think people need more education about how to make tea and the different types of tea. You know, there's a difference in the water temperature for white tea, green tea, black tea. Uh, And if you're paying for it as a service when you go out, you know, it should really be of a a better quality um, as well. So... Yeah, I love it when people come into my office because I drink tea every afternoon at work, and people will come into my office even an hour later and say, oh, "It smells so amazing in here." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's because I brewed a proper pot of tea, like even an hour ago." But the the fragrance, everything is there, you know. And if people are um, looking frantic or stressed, you know, I love saying to my colleagues, like, "Just come in and have a cup of tea," you know. It, like we've heard and that kind of a few Rio times was today. What talking about, right, yeah, yeah exactly. it really, it helps, and you can kind of sometimes need to remind people of that mm-hmm.
1: do you think it could be too strict the ceremony or i mean it 's depending on the guests, uh, the tea ceremony is structured for welcoming guests and serving the, the, the best matcha with the best atmosphere for the guests, mm-hmm. so when I have a tea ceremony in America, or what i 've been studying in America as an exchange student though. When I do tea ceremony, at that time, I served cheesecake on the ceremony and pour actually pour with milk oh. and shake it up oh. and serve it as initial matcha, you know? Initial bowl Because they, they all say, oh, matcha is grassy and it's very hard to drink. Mm. So if the guests are all Americans who are not familiar with the matcha, we just do it with the structured and like actual format, but the content is like different from the, very traditional one, right? So, read the room. Yeah. Is what
0: you're saying. Yeah, like it depends exactly. yeah. on who your, who your yeah, people yeah. are. exactly. What about Wakabon? Yeah. So, do they have a lot of um, artifacts or anything from tea ceremony there? Uh, nothing from tea
3: ceremony, but there are two artifacts that the columnists left, left behind that are particularly important, and it is the banner, silk um, embossed uh, with. Uh, actually, with gold embossed um, thread in it, it has the Tokugawa shogunate mon mm-hmm. on it, and um, yeah. it's a, and also a Tonto dagger, a samurai mm-hmm. dagger, and those are in the possession actually of California State Parks, but they'll be at our festival, Very so cool. they'll be displayed for the public to we'll see. We'll put an ad
0: advert up for that on the um, that would be podcast. Wonderful.
3: So cool. Wonderful. Thank you.
0: I think I need to let you guys go back to the lecture, so I appreciate it so much. My name is Eric Fosak, and thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you will follow the podcast as the Global Tea Initiative continues to examine the role of tea in science and culture. This podcast was recorded at the 4th Global Tea Initiative Colloquium at UC Davis. The podcast soundtrack is Tea, ageified by Zoom, by Gastronome 22, under Creative Commons license, and downloaded from the Free Music Archive. Special thanks to the Global Tea Initiative, University of California Davis Library, and the University of California Davis College of Letters and Sciences, and all of the podcast participants for their support.